Well, if the saying is true, that absence makes the heart grow fonder, then, boy, we're in for a very fun podcast. Hello again, everybody. Rick Evans, your host of the 12 Round News Podcast. It has been a hot minute or two or three, but we are back. And what would bring us back? Why am I here? Why are we talking? It is the big fight this weekend. The undisputed lightweight championship of the world. The champion, Devin the Dream Haney, against Vasily the Matrix Lomachenko. MGM Grand Las Vegas this weekend. ESPN pay-per-view. That's why we're here. We're gonna give a we're gonna break it down. We're gonna go through the pros and cons, the who's, the what's, the how this can go. Anybody who says they know how this is gonna go is not telling you the truth. Everyone has a hunch, they have an idea, but we have we will break it all down. Plus, we're also gonna touch a little bit on judging. There has been there's as is always the case in boxing, controversy on judges is always abound. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have some personal experiences I'm going to share about judging that I think I'm hoping will give some some notion to how much perception and reality can vary depending on how you're watching the fight. And I'm going to touch more on that at the end of the show. So the main event coming up on Saturday, the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. You know, as we look at... The matchup, you see a longer, younger, possibly faster, possibly stronger champion in Devin Haney against the seasoned vet who has fewer professional fights than the champion, but is perhaps the greatest amateur fighter in the history of the sport in Lomachenko, two-time Olympic gold medalist, former world champion, former number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. It is the ultimate, it is either going to be the coming out party for Devin Haney showing us that he is everything that we've thought he is has been as a prospect. He has now defeated Cambosis twice in Cambosis' backyard to become the champion. Now he has to go through and start fighting some of the other top names in, in and around this 135 division. So it is unfortunate that we may be looking at Haney's last fight at lightweight with this fight with Lomachenko because even earlier today, this is recording on Wednesday, earlier today Bob Arum said that it, in a perfect world maybe he gets uh, Teofimo Lopez at 140 pounds in his next fight for, for a belt at the super lightweight junior welterweight division, which comes back to this conversation about the, the undisputed championship and then you look at Lomachenko, who is a little bit shorter than Haney, but only about an inch, inch and a half, has a three or four inch uh, reach disadvantage. But that the reach game and staying outside has never been Lomachenko's strong suit. His strong suit is he is, I mean, they, they gave him the nickname The Matrix. He has maybe the coolest looking uh, trunks and gloves and everything along with that whole being like Neo thing. Um, that <laughs> that can really, is really going to... Um, be put to the test this weekend. Can he get inside, create angles, use the foot speed that must be there to win the fight? If this foot speed's not there, he's going to get picked apart. He has to be able to get inside Haney and make him work. So it the style matchup is is as classic as the sport. The matchup itself between the young lion and the seasoned champion. The young lion also having a belt, but the seasoned pro against the young, the young upstart 
now undisputed champion. It it checks all the boxes. This is you know we had a couple weeks ago we had the the massive Tank Davis Ryan Garcia fight and anybody I would speak to you know it got the the hype that it needed. They were on all the podcasts, all the shows, all the channels. Everyone's saying you know, Ryan's throwing left hooks at everything. You know throwing. <laughs> we tanks getting interviewed about everything and you know the hype train was very very on people were calling it the fight of the year um i definitely don't think we were going that far uh ch- charging 79.99 for the pay-per-view i really don't think we were going that far um but now that we are through it now you have a, an established star in tank davis um sitting there at lightweight really probably licking his chops at the thought of fighting whoever wins this fight. So it was promoted correctly, but the matchup is not the same as what we're looking at this weekend. I was telling anybody I would who would listen that the fight of the year hype should have been for this fight, that the fight a couple weeks ago wasn't even was not the best lightweight fight this year, was not the best lightweight fight in the last five years. It's not even the best lightweight fight this month. That is this weekend. That is Haney and Lomachenko. So as we look at how to win, where to go, how this is going to play out, we have Devin Haney as with the attributes I described being the longer, quicker in terms of having the longer reach jab. We're going to see if he's quicker. I, I think that's up for debate. We're going to find out really quick on Saturday if he's quicker or not. He's going to stay on the outside and try to get away from being in in the infighting. He's going to grab. He's going to hold. He's going to make sure Lomachenko, once he does get inside, because Lomachenko early on is going to be a threat to get inside quickly. He has to be, and that's it. we're going to come to Lomachenko's pros and cons here pretty quick. But Haney's going to want to try to stay on the outside and pretend he's Sugar Ray Leonard. And he is going to try to pop Lomachenko on the outside, catch Loma coming in when he's trying to shift one of those angles, if he can be ahead of it and counter with the right hand on a shot that comes in. Um, Because with Lomachenko being a southpaw, that right hand should be there for Haney during much of the fight. He's going to have to make that adjustment, perhaps, because he's very reliant on his jab coming in with a fast southpaw. Watch the right hand of Haney. That was is going to be his key to victory. If that jab, the jab may not be as much of a factor as some people think it will be, it's going to be the right hand. Can he land the right hand, particularly on a counter, particularly when Lomachenko is coming in? Watch the right hand of Devin Haney, flipping it over to Lomachenko. He has to start early. The conventional wisdom, and if you listen to anybody else's show, anybody else's podcast, anybody on ESPN, <laughs> the the. The thought is Lomachenko cannot wait. He lost to Teofimo Lopez because he was late getting out of the box. He was, it took maybe to about the seventh round, give or take, to where he really turned it on. But by the end of that fight, boy, Lomachenko was putting it on him. That, 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 <laughs> Teofimo was very fortunate that he had the early rounds and Lomachenko was relatively inactive trying to do the old download the data bit that he used to do. And he took too long to get out of the box. And that's why he dropped the decision. But late in that fight, that was, you know, Teofimo was very fortunate that that was the way that went. So that was the most recent loss for Loma. He can't start. He can't be in that same mindset now. He has to go be quick, early, jump on, maybe take a round, maybe take two. But you can't take six. You can't take seven. There's no way you're going to sweep the championship rounds letting Haney get into a rhythm with the right hand and and following up with the other shots. 
it won't work. He's going to run out of steam. But even then, even if he does get behind, even if he is behind, I mean, Loma has 17 wins, 11 KOs. Haney's got 29, is 29 0, 15 knockouts. We've seen Loma do some devastating damage. We've seen Haney go the distance twice with Kambosis. Between those two, I think if we were to see a late turning the tide, turning the page, ending that it's Lomachenko who would land that shot because there were even a couple of times in the Cambosis fight where the, I believe it was, <laughs> there was a couple of times where Cambosis did get Haney's attention and, and, you know, say what you want about Cambosis. He, he's not at the level of Tiafimo, of Haney, of Loma, of Tank, of, of, uh, of Shakur. He, he's, he's not at that level. He's a tier below that. He's a very good fighter, but he's not an A-level fighter. And he was able to get to Haney even in parts, but that was Haney showed his class, showed why he's an A fighter. But I think there's some vulnerabilities late in the fight if we get that far. So in terms of making a prediction, a lot of it's Lomachenko is, is somewhat in the driver's seat early. If he waits, he knows he's going to get behind because Haney's style is not to come out and engage in a firefight and and try to prove, you know, do the machismo thing. You know, he's been talking a lot about how he was disrespected by Lomachenko for not getting the fight with Loma early enough. Like a couple of years ago, he was asking Lomachenko for the fight, and Lomachenko said, you're not ready. Now that the roles are a little reversed, and Lomachenko at 35 is, on the, is going to be on the last year, two, three of his run, and we have a 24, 25-year-old, lightweight champion now the roles are a little reversed and due to Lomachenko you know Lomachenko had every opportunity he was set to fight Cambosis before the war in Ukraine started <clears throat> so out goes Lomachenko to go fight for his country and in steps Devin Haney and the rest is history so Lomachenko after losing to Teofimo Lopez never had a rematch for the championship after being a dominant champion a number one pound for pound guy for many years he never got that opportunity. He gets it this weekend. This is his chance to get it all back. You know, people was talking about the three belt era, the four belt era. Boy, oh boy. You know, if we'll, 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 we'll stay in the conversation so folks know what we're talking about in terms of the four belt era. But, you know, those the, the belts keep popping up and we keep getting belts for reasons that I'm not even sure why sometimes. But this, there is no question. The best lightweight in the world is Devin Haney. He's got every belt you could possibly imagine to prove it. Lomachenko has never had all those belts. He was the man at, in, on the way up, but he's never had every belt. And, and again, I think the subject of a future podcast, now that we're back up and rolling, is going to be talking about how on earth we have super champions, duper champions, uh, champions in recess. I digress. I'm going too far out. But <laughs> looking at this, this matchup, Lomachenko has to force the fight and get inside early. If he sits on the outside and down and, and waits and is, is at the end of a, a jab that I think is... Haney's going to have some trouble landing that jab. He may not have as much trouble landing the right hand. Watch for that right hand. I'm telling you. Watch for the right hand. As they go, if Loma can figure him out in one or two rounds and get inside and make it a dogfight on the inside with Haney's back against the ropes, that's Loma's chance. That's the way he wins the fight. If Haney stays on his bike and moves and moves and moves... 
it's going to be very, very difficult for Loma to come in and land three punches after Haney has thrown four at him. So I find that it's going to be on Lomachenko to make this fight. He has the tools. He has the skills to do it. At least he did. We don't know if he's got it at 35 the way he did at 28. Throughout lightweight history, that's a tough ask. <clears throat> that is a very tough ask of any former great champion. Most great lightweight champions don't stay at lightweight their whole career. You know, Roberto Duran moved up to middleweight. Shane Mosley moved up to 154. I don't think he ever fought at 160. Someone will correct me on that if I'm wrong. You know, Pernell Whitaker went up to middleweight. So, or he may have also been 154, but <clears throat> the three best lightweights I've ever seen didn't fight their whole careers at lightweight. I think all three of them were at their peak at lightweight, but they didn't fight in their you know mid to late 30s <clears throat> at that weight class. So Loma, who moved up from featherweight to get here and really did so much damage and so much, you know, achieved so much as an amateur is going to have a record, you know, 17 and 2 with 11 knockouts at this point. He's going to have a record that when he gets to the end of his run in the next three years, give or take, that it's not going to look like Haney's, like Duran's, like Mosley, like Whitaker. But you can make the argument that on any given day, who goes in there and smashes a prime Lomachenko? Like smack, like smack, maybe beats, maybe out hustles, smashes. I, I don't think there's a lightweight I can think of that would smash the best version of Lomachenko. He may not be at that A level anymore, and that's where Haney's gonna have every opportunity to win this fight. This is the biggest fight of Haney's career, it's the biggest fight of Lomachenko's career. Haney either gets his statement win or Loma proves that he is everything he's ever said he was. It's a 51-49 kind of a fight. Loma must get inside and get inside within the first two rounds. Show the foot speed. Show the angles. Go to the body. If he doesn't go to the body, he can't slow the man down. Haney, when they get inside and he starts... Haney did a very smart thing yesterday. The top-ranked cameras picked it up. He asked Loma to his face. He says, Loma, you're, you're kind of dirty. I'm paraphrasing. Says Loma, you're kind of a dirty fighter. And Loma says, "What do you mean? What fight did I? What fight was I dirty?" And he says, "When you get inside, and the referee says break, you hit on the break almost every fight." And Loma says, "Oh man, get out of here with that!" And they kind of went their separate ways after the uh, after their grand arrivals at the MGM Grand. And Twitter did what Twitter does, and everyone has an opinion on it. But I watched that and saw a very smart ploy by the young champion. He's, got, he's trying to influence public opinion, be it the referee, the crowd, the pay-per-view audience. If he's setting the table now to say, hey, ref, if he's hitting me a lot inside, that can't be legal. He's trying to get people to go, hey, if, Loma's, if we're inside and Loma's working a whole bunch, don't look at that. Don't look at that. Watch me on the outside throw my jab and right hands and one-twos. He's... he's Devin Haney has the potential to be an all-time, world-class, Hall of Fame fighter. But he's got about the next 10 years to do it. You know, 24 to 34. Lomachenko's at the tail end of that run. Lomachenko can only deal with him on the inside. On the outside, Haney's going to pick him apart. He's got to get inside. But setting the table and telling the officials, hey, watch the inside stuff. 
this guy might be a little off. What was a very savvy move. Was it the greatest thing of all time? I, I don't know about all that, but it was a very, I thought it was a very savvy move by Team Haney. And whether that was Devin or his dad or whomever that had that idea to really push that agenda, he said it in, in, in the hype, he said it in the build and saying it to his face and everyone's picking up on their, on their phones and on the cameras. He's, they're setting up for, for something. So we'll, we'll stay tuned to see what that looks like. And when I report back here at the uh, next week, we'll, we'll be able to break that down. I mean, and so if we were to try to find a prediction outside, inside, make it a dog fight, make it a boxing clinic, it's, it's not out of the question that Devin Haney can't find Lomachenko either. You know, and that's maybe the one option that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about is that there's conventional wisdom that Haney is so fast at 24 that he's going to find Loma and Loma's not going to like it a whole lot. And he's going to he's going to take a lot of shots come, trying to come inside and get his angles going. But he's going to have to take some take some chances to do it. If Loma's on point, if Loma has the speed and the head movement and is frustrating Haney and we get into round six, seven, eight. We could we could see Lomachenko completely shut him down. That's also not. There's so many variables here. Like I said a second ago, it's 51-49 fight. Rightfully so, the champion is the favorite. I believe the last uh, the last odds I saw from MGM Grand were plus two ten on Lomachenko, making him a, a rather sizable underdog for the very first time in his career. He's never been an underdog. Um. With that, and you get a, a negative 200, those lines fluctuate. So a negative 200, you have to bet $200 to win $100 on Haney. You bet $100 on Lomachenko, you win $200 coming back. So you have your odds, you have your setup. 51-49 kind of a fight, but no one's going to be able to say, I know exactly what's going to happen with full confidence. That's what makes this a great fight. Because Lomachenko has been great for a lot longer than Devin Haney has. A lot longer. What does that mean? It means it's a can't-miss fight. And it's 20 bucks cheaper than the lightweight fight a couple weeks ago. And it's even cheaper than Jake Paul's fight a couple weeks prior to that. So it's there's some bang for your buck on this. You got Nico Ali Walsh on the undercard, which I think is on the free version of the undercard. Oscar Valdez is on the, on the undercard. You've got a, a pretty good night of fights, but the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. I'm not giving a prediction. <laughs> it's a, I will rightfully say Devin Haney should be favored. He may have the boxing skills, the movement, the right hand. I'm telling you that right hand. Watch that right hand. He has the skills to make this an easy fight if Loma is not at an A-plus game on fight night. If he's not on an A game on fight night, Haney can make this a wash. If Loma's on, you might get the fight of the year. So we'll be right back with that talk about judging, and we'll wrap things up. So we are back, and I wanted to talk a little bit about judging just for a couple minutes here towards the end of the podcast. And, you know, I, I've wanted to volunteer my time and learn how to be a judge. I, I've always enjoyed the sport. I, I tried to, to do the sport when I was a bit younger, and <laughs> through lack of uh, opportunity and lack of uh, <laughs> defensive prowess, perhaps, um, that, that I, I realized was probably not the greatest idea, but 
doesn't mean I have I don't love the sport. I've I've been watching it and with you know from, from watching it with my dad when I was six to watching it with my seven year old now. You know, there's I, I've all this sport has always been the sport that captivates me enough because at the end of the day, Max Kellerman says the story that if you're walking out the field, you're walking down the street, you look over there's a baseball field, you look over there's a football field, you look over the other side there's a fist fight. Which one are you gonna watch? Which one where are you going? You're gonna go watch the fight. <laughs> I don't care who's playing the other spot. You're gonna watch this fight. So it's it's everything else. And again, I'm, I'm borrowing from Max Kellerman. Shout out Max Kellerman. You know that we that we got a question in on Max's show on ESPN, by the way, twelve round news. So that was that was nice. We gotta love Max Kellerman. Been watching him for a long time. That guy's amazing. But if you <laughs> if you love the sport and everything else is a metaphor, everything else is a metaphor for what boxing truly is. Who's the better man? You know, not who's the better team, not who can shoot a ball, not who can swing a bat, not who can throw a football. Who's the better man? Who's the better team? If you if your team is better than the other team at baseball, doesn't you have, it talks a lot about team, but who's the better man? I think everything goes back to that with fighting. And UFC is kind of in that realm, but boxing is still my first love. With that, I've tried to find ways to stay involved and Contribute what I think I, I have some knowledge, been watching it my whole life, you know, um, to where I can. You know, I, I did writing for one of the premier boxing sites from 2010 till 2017, got to do one more in 2021 and cover uh, the Holyfield Belfort card in Florida. God help us on that card. But, you know, did did some writing and, and God love the, the folks who allowed me that opportunity. But through a podcast and and YouTube and Twitter, there's the market is changing and you have to keep up with how people are consuming their content. And I think through this podcast and being able to be on social media, there there's a way to interact a lot more. I'm getting off topic on the judging. I'm trying to find ways to stay involved with the sport. So I have gone through the training program for USA Boxing. I have to renew my exam. You have to pass an exam and your certification to be current and haven't done that. But that's coming soon. But last weekend, I was able to go to a local USA Boxing show and talk to the head of officials and was able to do shadowing for the very first time. I was able to sit at the judge's table and fill out the scorecards and go through all the training that I've been through and have the opportunity to to judge. And my cards didn't count. I would turn my cards into the head of officials and then the, he would review um, my cards compared to the official judges that are around the, the ringside in the coming days. So I had the opportunity to participate in that. And the very first fight we had, and just blue corner and red corner, no names, no nothing else, just blue corner, red corner. And I dis- we got to the end of that fight, and I disagreed with the head of officials. I wasn't going to voice that. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I wasn't arguing the point to say I'm right. Of course not. But I felt like, oh, wow. How? how? I've been watching this my whole life. And there are some differences in, in amateur professional scoring. But I'm also realizing there are a dramatic amount of difference between judging next to the ring and judging from the 100 section of an arena, which I did when I, I covered uh, Kovalev Ward doing the write-up, you have to judge the fight, you know, and, pre- and present that as part of your article. 
or towards the top of the building <clears throat> when I covered Canelo or um, Canelo and Triple G one towards the top of the building. Your perspective has to be different. And if you're on watching on TV, forget it. You've got camera angles to account for, and you've got commentators and the crowd noise, and you don't. You there is no way you can have the exact same experience, the exact same perception in every one of those scenarios. I mean, yes, if somebody's just beating the ever-loving bejesus out of somebody, yeah, you can get if it's an easy one. Yeah, that's obvious. But in close fights, your perception matters. What you value in, a, in judging matters. And again, that changes a little between the amateurs and the pros. But if you're not in the heat of it and focusing on, on punches. So I, I judged about seven fights that day. The first one, we had a, I, I didn't get it right. No problem. The next six I did. After I got a little coaching about what to look for, the next six we were spot on. And the last one was somewhat challenging because the fighter, I don't remember which red or blue, but I'll say it was, I think, believe, I'll say it was red. The, the red fighter, the red corner, was doing tremendous work to the body maybe landing four to one to the other corner who was landing some headshots, but not doing enough really to, to turn the tide and he was being out hustled, but it was predominantly due to the body. And I scored it for the guy doing the body work and we got to the end and sure enough, he won the fight. And I was thinking, you know, if I was watching that on TV I don't know if that would have been my thought. I don't know if that would have been how I took it at that point. So food for thought, just for folks who are listening to this and how they might perceive things. I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to wrap with, with one last thing here. Trying to do a podcast and be on social media and contribute my knowledge to the conversation of the boxing community. And there are some phenomenal content creators who have all the tools in the world, make these exciting videos and podcasts and all this, all these opportunities. And I'd like to get there someday. I'd like to, to do that and have the, the ability to do so. And it's going to take some time, but there's also other avenues within the boxing world that are really fun that I want to try to, bring folks updates and thoughts and ideas and engaging conversations on that. If there's a dramatic fight, a great fight, a big fight coming up, if we, if that card, there's a card in December, Usyk versus Fury for the title and Wilder and Joshua on the undercard from Saudi Arabia. Oh my God. <laughs> if that comes off, that's going to shake, shake the universe for, for boxing. But as these big fights come up, it, it warrants conversation it warrants having some good discussions and but beyond that one of my favorite things to do was have conversations with my dad you know waiting at a doctor's appointment or at a ball game or whatever we just throw some hypothetical fights around who do you think would win Pernell Whitaker or Roberto Duran my dad loved Roberto Duran Pernell was my guy you know who do you think would win that how about Tyson and Ali I mean everyone's talked about that fight but how about uh Tommy Hearns against Floyd Mayweather at welterweight. You know, if there's any if there's one guy who I'd say that's the style to beat old money Mayweather, watch the hitman. But 
I think there's some conversations to be had regarding fantasy fights and having some good debate and talking about who's and what's and maybe even reaching out to some of these retired greats and seeing if they would spare a couple minutes to talk about how would you have fought, you know, hey, Mr. Hearns, how would you have fought Floyd Mayweather? You know, and, and seeing what we can do with that on a podcast. Reach out to Riddick Bowe and say, Riddick, how would you have fought Mike Tyson if you could have fought in 1995? Let's try. I'm going to try. We're going to see how this goes. And I wanted to keep updates on the status of the sport. You know, my one, I got a chance to meet him many, like 20 years ago, Teddy Atlas. And he was great meeting, you know, it was a great meeting. I was 18, I think. And and just you know, going to, to some fights and got to see him. He was doing commentary for ESPN, signed a, a, a program for me, and it was great. And, I've you know, when he's doing his thing on TV and he gets riled up and he snarls and ah, it's great theater but he's usually not wrong on what he's arguing about how we have so much so many questionable calls we had a questionable referee stoppage we have questionable judging every year in major fights how does that keep happening how do the same folks get to judge in their 60s 70s and 80s it's there's questions there, and if they have the experience and the knowledge and the, they know how to do it, then then that's a valid reason. But we need to have those conversations as the fight community. He on his last podcast, Teddy said, "You the fans, you're the ju- you're the jury on how this whole thing goes," and I I think we should take that role seriously. If you see something, just write it off. Oh, it's boxing. Oh, it's just boxing. Oh, it's fine. It's part of the deal. You might get a bad decision. That's okay for you who may have spent the, you know, $79.99 or spent the money to go down to Vegas and watch a fight that maybe you, you, you kind of go, oh, well, that was lousy. All right, back to reality. The guys who took the loss, who shouldn't have took the loss, that, that takes a lot out of the steam of what they wanted to do with their life. And, we, and the boxing community needs to be a little bit better about acknowledging that, I think. My big news here to officially wrap this up is I am going to Vegas this weekend for this fight. I will be there. I tried to get a credential. I was not approved for a credential. And that's okay. I've been approved for world title fights before. I have enjoyed the media room at the MGM Grand before. I'll never forget. I saw Larry Merchant, Dan Refiel, Thomas Hauser, and one or two more guys. They were all sitting around a table. And I just thought that was that's pretty cool. <laughs> I had a chance to talk to Thomas Hauser about the first triple G triple G uh, Canelo fight, but I think now with going down here and I won't be able to get there in time uh, to and I don't have the credential, so I won't be able to go into the media room. But I will bring you firsthand accounts of this fight when we do the next podcast, and I'm going to try to get YouTube going. So stay tuned for YouTube if we can get something going and bring you some content, even if it's just me in the flesh, in person, (laughs) in front of the MGM Grand uh, Lion, giving you a recap of the fight on YouTube to start things off. Maybe that's what we'll do. And if nothing else, I know we will be back next week to recap the trip to Vegas, my thoughts on the fight, a look towards the future, and a whole lot more fun. So with that, I will sign off. Thank you, wherever you are, for taking the time giving me 31 minutes and change (laughs) to 
to spend a little time with me getting ready for a tremendous fight. Again, the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Devin Haney defends against the former champion Vasily Lomachenko. ESPN pay-per-view this Saturday night. MGM Grand Garden Arena. Don't miss it.